I'm Arthur Perlstein, and this podcast from the True Suspense Collection is Creeping Suspicion. Here is Episode 2, Crash Into Me. It's the concluding episode in our two-part mini-season. Even while police were stymied as their investigation continued in the weeks and months following the mysterious death of Jason Smith at the finish of a Dave Matthews Band concert, there was no shortage of speculation from the public at large, particularly among those with a keen interest in real-life crime. Online crime-solving groups have become increasingly popular in recent years. In some ways, Amateur web sleuthing groups can be seen as an extension of so-called crowdsourcing of evidence collection. To be sure, these groups can produce valuable leads and theories that can aid police in the investigative process. However, some in the law enforcement community worry about online sleuths who take a more aggressive approach or groups that become prone to conspiracy theories the concern being that they can potentially cause disruption for law enforcement and even jeopardize the integrity of investigations. WebSleuths.com is an example of an Internet community focused on crime and missing persons. A privately owned entity, WebSleuths.com is a place where people gather to examine cold cases, try to help with tracking down people who have disappeared, and discuss trending true crime stories. It's a forum where registered users can share official documents, seek and discuss potential leads, and share theories. Some members of the WebSleuths community are trained in aspects of forensics or experts in other relevant subject matters. And there are online sleuths in this and other internet communities who have actually helped solve cases and bring closure to families. The mysterious death of Jason Smith did not garner massive attention on WebSleuths, but some of its members created a forum to discuss it with the heading, quote, Police Puzzled as Jason Smith, 44, Dies After Mysterious Injury in Concert Aftermath, unquote. They came up empty-handed as far as leads or new information, but different theories were raised by a number of the participants. A member with the handle Ted Frank had the most extensive post, which read as follows, quote, I am no expert, but it sounds like a robbery attempt gone bad. This person was probably casing him all night, maybe noticed he was drunk, and then hit him, thinking he had something worthwhile to steal. Someone was around, and he just left him for dead. 
That is the only conclusion that makes sense because his head wounds were severe and markedly worse than seen from falling down. The lawyer is going to be leaning on the side of unsafe condition premises liability. When I was at a different amphitheater, I saw a guy standing on a stone bench handrail to get a better view of the concert, and he was told to get down immediately. They are even more sticklers at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, a much bigger venue. Plus, you can believe the casino's lawyers have combed that place for any hazardous structure, no matter how small. Unless he just fell down some steps and dragged himself to the walkway where he collapsed. Even if he had had an accident, there would have been someone there that heard it or saw it, one would think. It looks more like foul play because some guy probably coaxed him to a private area like behind the bathrooms or something. Unquote. Another member of the forum said this, speculating about Jason Smith. Quote, he goes back sees someone else taking the t-shirt, walking with a t-shirt, says something along the lines of, hey, that's my wife's, and a fight ensues with him being struck on the head. I would think if something fell and hit him, that would have been obvious because the object would be there or close by, unquote. A member with the handle Raz had a different kind of theory. Quote, I was thinking maybe a guy ran into him. Both men were running and boom, right into each other. Maybe it cut his lip and he fell flat back on his head. Maybe the guy checked him out, knew he was in bad shape, notified security, and then skedaddled, not wanting to get involved even though he knew it was an accident, but also knowing he'd done all he could to help. If that was the case, I hope he contacts police so the family can have some closure." Unquote. Others speculated that Jason could have run into a heavy boom or other heavy equipment used by the band as they were starting to disassemble. Several expressed suspicion about the elusive man claiming to have a medical background who was the first to contact security upon finding Jason Smith with serious injuries. Someone with the handle Podengo put it this way, quote, it doesn't make sense to me that someone with medical training would flag down security and then leave. Maybe if they were too drunk or high to deal with police and such, unquote. Maryland Heights, Missouri police did all they could in the course of what remained of 2019. They ended up generating a 132-page police report documenting the observations and conjectures drawn by detectives from a range of witness interviews. They never did find a single eyewitness to what happened, nor did they find the mysterious Good Samaritan who had summoned security. All the information gathered was circumstantial. Indeed, the investigation led to no formal conclusions about what caused Jason Smith to suffer the massive injuries that killed him. And news reports about the incident had fizzled out before the end of 2019, as the trail seemed to have gone completely cold. But, unbeknownst to the public, an investigation of another sort was taking place. 
You will recall that Smith family attorney Charles Gentry, better known as Chip, promised to find whoever was responsible for Jason's death and hold them accountable. Chip Gentry is first and foremost a trial attorney. A 1997 honors graduate of the University of Missouri Law School, Gentry co-founded the law firm of Call and Gentry along with Jason Call after a few years of practice following law school. Based in Jason Smith's hometown of Jefferson City, the tagline on the front page of the firm website is, quote, when life is unfriendly, call and gentry, unquote. Chip Gentry had his own creeping suspicion about what might have happened to Jason Smith. He had developed a sense relatively early on that Jason had been hit by something rather than someone, but focused on who could be held accountable. Gentry's investigation led him to be more confident about his conclusion than police felt they could be. One thing that fed Gentry's suspicions was the fact that, as he saw it, Live Nation, the owner of the amphitheater venue, did not seem to do much of its own investigation. As Gentry later put it on the record, quote, Live Nation failed to interview bystanders and potential witnesses, observe the scene carefully, or perform a timely and reasonable investigation, unquote. He went on to say that, quote, Live Nation did not talk to a single non-supervisory employee assigned to work in the immediate area where Jason was found injured to ask what they saw or witnessed that night. Unquote. Gentry pointed out that Live Nation did not get basic, quote, information on the numerous bystanders on the scene, unquote, and, quote, only took two photos of the scene on the night Jason Smith was injured after he was removed from the scene, both close-up shots of the moat that show nothing other than blood pools and vomit, even though Live Nation's own policy instructs security guards and supervisors to take photos, unquote. Gentry also claimed that Live Nation used the excuse that the police were investigating, even though Live Nation itself, quote, controlled the flow and content of information provided to the Maryland Heights Police Department. And the observations Chip Gentry heard from a few of the people that were still in the amphitheater when Jason was grievously injured helped him formulate a detailed theory of what happened. Two witnesses in particular stood out, Lara Krieg and Stacy Turner. Though they did not see what happened to Jason, according to Chip Gentry, they observed Live Nation employees, quote, throwing rental chairs into the moat from the lawn within minutes of Jason Smith being found injured in the same location, unquote. More specifically, Lara Krieg and Stacy Turner, quote, witnessed employees throwing chairs like frisbees, could hear chairs hitting off each other and the cement walkway or moat, saw chairs all over everywhere, saw chairs piled up, 
and were afraid they were going to get hit in the head with a chair. Unquote. Lawyer Gentry also consulted with experts, including the neurosurgeon who treated Jason Smith and a forensic medical examiner. He also consulted with Steve Edelman, an event and large capacity venue safety expert who offered opinions about Live Nation's internal policies and industry safety standards, and Dr. Amanda Humans, a board-certified anatomic and forensic pathologist who drew further conclusions about how Jason might have been killed. And so, on August 21, 2020, Chip Gentry filed a lawsuit on behalf of Jason Smith's widow, Darcy Smith, against Live Nation Entertainment, Inc. Gentry summarized it to a reporter this way, quote, After enjoying an evening with his wife and their friends at a relaxed concert on a Wednesday night, Jason was killed due to what we believe to be Live Nation's negligence, unquote. The lawsuit gave the background that we already know about Jason and Darcy and friends attending the Dave Matthews Band concert at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater and about how just after exiting, Jason went back in to try and retrieve the souvenir t-shirt Darcy had left behind. Then, according to the complaint filed by Gentry, quote, unknown to Jason, employees of Live Nation were breaking down hundreds of rental chairs that were positioned on the grassy slope above the amphitheater, known as the lawn, and directly above a pedestrian concrete walkway, known as the moat. Instead of carrying chairs down the lawn and carefully placing them in the moat, employees of Live Nation were throwing chairs down the lawn, toward and into the moat, often launching them several feet into the air or bouncing them off the ground or off one another." Unquote. At this point, the lawsuit got to the crux of the theory that Chip Gentry had developed. Quote, On information and belief, in the process of retrieving his wife's t-shirt, as Jason walked in the moat, he was suddenly and without warning struck violently in the head by a rental chair carelessly thrown by one of Live Nation's employees. The force of the impact from the thrown chair caused Jason to fall backwards, violently striking the back of his skull on the concrete and resulting in severe, catastrophic, and ultimately fatal brain injury." Unquote. The use of the words on information and belief is so frequently found in the allegations of a lawsuit that it has its own Wikipedia article. As stated in Wikipedia, quoting in part from Black's Law Dictionary, quote, the phrase information and belief identifies a statement that is made not from first-hand knowledge, but based on second-hand information that the declarant believes is true. Unquote. Quoting from West's Encyclopedia of American Law, 
the article goes on to point out that this, quote, protects the maker of the statement from claims of outright falsehood or perjury, unquote. In other words, these allegations about Live Nation are not, strictly speaking, presented as facts, but, as Gentry put it in talking to the press, based on, quote, good faith investigation and what we believe happened, unquote. The lawsuit was also critical of the conduct of Live Nation employees after Jason was injured. Among the allegations were that, quote, rather than rendering immediate care, defendants' employees assumed Jason was intoxicated, were slow to respond, and delayed in providing care to him and in contacting emergency medical and law enforcement personnel, unquote. The suit stated in no uncertain terms that, quote, Jason was not intoxicated, unquote. To make out a case for negligence, a legal complaint needs to set forth the kind of duty that the defendant allegedly had to the victim. Darcy's suit stated that Live Nation, quote, owed Jason Smith a duty to maintain, operate, supervise and control its premises in a reasonable manner and to provide its patrons, such as Darcy Smith and her husband Jason, a safe environment." The suit went on to recite various ways in which Live Nation, by its own conduct and that of its, quote, agents and employees, acting within the course and scope of their agency-slash-employment, failed to carry out these duties. Among the many items mentioned were that Live Nation failed, quote, to provide adequate security, to properly supervise its employees to ensure that they did not throw chairs in a dangerous manner, failed to barricade and or block access to the moat, during the time that employees were throwing chairs, unquote, as well as failing, quote, to warn patrons not to access the area of the moat when employees were throwing chairs, failed to develop and implement an adequate security or safety plan to protect patrons, and to provide training to employees which would allow them to prevent, identify, and or respond to potentially dangerous events. Unquote. The complaint also recited various ways in which Darcy and her twin sons had been damaged, including being deprived of Jason's, quote, consortium, companionship, comfort, instruction, guidance, counsel, training, support, past and future income, household services, and other valuable benefits, unquote. It also mentioned medical and funeral bills. And there was an allegation on behalf of Jason Smith himself, specifically that he was, quote, forced to endure emotional and physical pain and suffering between the time he was injured by defendant's negligence and the time of his death, unquote. It will probably not surprise you to hear that Live Nation filed its own court papers, in which it denied negligence and any liability for Jason's injuries, 
and specifically denied allegations that Jason Smith was hit in the head by a chair thrown by an employee. Indeed, as we will learn, Live Nation would advance an argument that there was the strong possibility that Jason Smith was actually the victim of foul play, a deliberate act of violence by some unidentified person in the amphitheater. In the wake of the lawsuit, in addition to various legal maneuvers, both parties took the depositions of various potential witnesses, including experts, and the various proceedings dragged on for three years. Lawyers for each side would later draw from these depositions and other information in an attempt to limit the evidence that the other side could put on at trial, and on Live Nation's part to seek to have the judge throw out the case before it would ever reach a jury. On June 22nd of 2023, Live Nation filed a motion for summary judgment asking the court to dismiss the lawsuit on the basis that there was no evidence Darcy Smith could produce showing how Jason was injured. In the motion papers, Live Nation attorneys stated as follows, quote, Plaintiff's purported claim is supported only by speculation. The admissible evidence does not show exactly when or how Jason Smith's injury occurred at the venue, or even that Jason Smith was discovered in the same position in which he was injured. There is no direct testimony Jason Smith was struck by a chair, and any purported circumstantial inferences require speculation as to when and where chairs were allegedly thrown and whether a chair struck Jason Smith, unquote. They concluded that, quote, the facts establish the plaintiff's witnesses did not see Jason Smith get hit by a chair, did not see a chair on or immediately around Jason Smith's body, and did not see any Live Nation employees allegedly throwing chairs before Jason Smith was discovered. In the same way, plaintiff's experts could not testify to within a reasonable degree of certainty that more likely than not Jason Smith had been struck by a folding lawn chair that a Live Nation employee threw." Unquote. In subsequent court filings, Lawyers for Live Nation would insist that, quote, none of the experts or medical providers can rule out that the decedent's injuries were caused by another person striking or assaulting the decedent, unquote. A motion for summary judgment by the defendant in a case like this is of great importance in a defendant's calculations of how to move forward. A large corporation knows that if a judge allows a case to proceed to trial and be heard by a jury, when the plaintiff is a sympathetic individual up against a huge profitable company, a jury will tend to side with the plaintiff absent overwhelming proof to the contrary. More importantly, in these situations, it can be Katie bar the door as far as the size of the monetary damages a jury might award. Live Nation, of course, gave away no information on its strategies or decision process. 
But one thing Live Nation was almost certainly concerned about if the lawsuit would go to trial was its reputation. Darcy Smith's trial was not scheduled until October of 2023. But in the meanwhile, in November 2021, at Astro World Festival, a Live Nation promoted concert in Houston headlined by rapper Travis Scott, tragedy struck when a surging crowd became crushing and resulted in 10 fatalities. Shortly after that, NPR published an article which was headlined, quote, Live Nation, a company behind Astroworld, has a long history of safety violations, unquote. The article, citing the Houston Chronicle, stated that Live Nation, which it referred to as a conglomerate, has, quote, been connected to about 200 deaths and at least 750 injuries since 2006, unquote. In fairness, these numbers include incidents like the mass shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Country Music Festival in Las Vegas in 2017, which most people would instinctively attribute to the deranged gunman as opposed to the purveyor of the entertainment. Live Nation's reputation has taken hits as well with regard to its Ticketmaster arm. In 2023, for example, there were delays, sky-high resale prices, website failures, and an outright cancellation of the public sale of tickets to a Taylor Swift tour that led to widespread outrage and renewed public scrutiny including investigations by the U.S. Congress and the Justice Department. In short, with respect to reputation alone, not to mention a potential jury award, there was a lot riding on Live Nation's motion for summary judgment filed in connection with Darcy Smith's suit over the death of her husband. With an October 26 trial date fast approaching, on August 29, 2023, the court issued its decision on Live Nation's motion for summary judgment against Darcy Smith. The judge denied the motion, meaning it would not be long before the case would proceed to trial by jury. This was definitely not good news for Live Nation. The denial of the motion and an impending trial set off a flurry of court filings, with each side attempting to prevent the other from being able to introduce some types of evidence. Requests for a judge to prevent certain pieces of evidence from ever being presented at trial are called motions in limine, and each party filed quite a few of those. For example, on behalf of Darcy Smith, Chip Gentry sought to have Live Nation prevented from introducing or referencing the 132-page report of the Maryland Heights Police Department on the basis that it was all hearsay. But lawyers for Live Nation argued that the report, quote, documented detectives' observations and conclusions 
drawn from witness interviews, and these interviews and observations give critical context into steps police took when investigating the possible cause of the decedent's injuries and identifying possible witnesses, unquote. They also argued that, quote, the jury will learn the investigation led to no formal conclusions about what caused the decedent's injuries, and that law enforcement formed no opinion that the decedent was injured by a lawn chair, unquote. On behalf of Darcy Smith, Gentry also sought to prevent defense expert Dr. Jane Turner from testifying about Jason's possible consumption of alcohol on the fateful day. Live Nation attorneys agreed they would not seek to raise this, but only so long as the plaintiff would not be permitted to argue alcohol definitively played no role in Jason's injury and death. Live Nation referenced expert deposition testimony that Jason's blood alcohol level was 0.04% and Jason could be considered intoxicated even though his blood levels were lower than the legal driving limit. However, even the defense expert who said alcohol, quote, may have played a role, unquote, did not believe that it was a significant contributing factor to his death. The plaintiff also attempted to prevent Live Nation from having one of its key expert witnesses testify. Live Nation had retained biomechanical engineer Douglas Moore to serve as their biomechanical expert. According to the company's lawyers, quote, Mr. Moore is expected to testify from a biomechanical perspective that the evidence does not support the conclusion a lawn chair thrown by a Live Nation employee struck Mr. Smith in the face and caused him to fall and strike his head. Mr. Moore is further expected to testify in response to any opinions that may be offered by any fact witnesses, party, or party's expert witnesses." Unquote. Plaintiff lawyer Chip Gentry pointed out, however, that Mr. Moore admitted that, quote, he performed no reenactments, no experiments, no computer modeling, prepared no demonstrative evidence, prepared no animations, and took no photos that he relied upon for his opinion. In fact, he concedes he only measured three exemplar rental lawn chairs from Live Nation and performed so-called thought experiments, unquote. Gentry argued that, quote, Mr. Moore concedes he has no medical causation opinions, unquote, and no causation opinions at all. He quoted from the deposition in which Moore testified that, quote, it's my opinion that we do not currently have sufficient evidence to know what happened to Mr. Smith, and we do not currently have evidence to support a conclusion that a lawn chair thrown by a Live Nation employee struck Mr. Smith in the face and caused or contributed for him to fall and strike his head. That's my primary opinion, 
and I don't know that I have currently any specific other opinions right now." Unquote. On the other hand, Gentry argued, quote, Jason's treating neurosurgeon testified that Jason's injuries were consistent with the mechanism of being struck in the front of his face with a large thrown object, like a lawn chair, and then being knocked backwards onto the concrete walkway. Likewise, plaintiffs retain expert Dr. Amanda Eumanns testified that a blunt object struck Jason in the face with enough force to cause him to fall and that the object that struck Jason in the face was likely thrown. She further testified that Jason's injuries were consistent with being struck in the face by a thrown lawn chair. Unquote. Live Nation filed its own requests to exclude evidence or motions in limine. For example, it asked the court to exclude quote, any testimony, references, and arguments that Jason Smith was struck by a folding lawn chair thrown by a Live Nation employee. Unquote. But Darcy Smith's lawyer argued that. Quote, Defendant's assertion that no witnesses reported seeing lawn chairs being cleared on the lawn before decedent was discovered is simply untrue, unquote. He cited one of the friends with Jason and Darcy named Mark Randolph, who Gentry pointed out, quote, testified and will testify that he saw people breaking stuff down on the lawn as Jason, Darcy, Lori and himself exited their seats before Jason was discovered injured in the moat." Unquote. Gentry also argued that defendant's assertion that no witnesses reported seeing lawn chairs around Jason's body is also false. Unquote. He reminded the court that, quote, Lara Krieg and Stacy Turner saw employees throwing lawn chairs down into the moat near where Jason was lying." Unquote. Live Nation also sought to exclude any criticism of medical treatment or lack thereof rendered on the scene, any criticism of its employees' actions or inactions after Jason's injuries took place, as well as any criticism of Live Nation's investigation and incident report. They characterized such criticisms generally as, quote, irrelevant, immaterial, purely speculative, controversial, collateral, creates the potential for confusion and or is more prejudicial than probative, unquote. But, Darcy Smith's lawyer argued in response that there were witnesses who, quote, directly observed the behavior, actions, and inactions of Live Nation employees within seconds and minutes after Jason Smith was injured, unquote. He also disputed Live Nation's assertion that, quote, no one can say what, if anything, any Live Nation staff member could have done differently under the circumstances, unquote, calling it baseless. Chip Gentry mocked the arguments of Live Nation, saying, quote, 
the position of defendant is that anything that happened more than one second after Jason Smith was critically injured on their premises is collateral, and the jury in this case has no right to know about it." Unquote. The flurry of legal motions reached a crescendo by the end of September with a pre-trial conference scheduled for October 2nd. However, the motions would never be heard by the court because just before that date, the parties asked the court to hold off. Apparently, settlement negotiations were underway. Parties to a lawsuit often seek to settle on the proverbial courthouse steps rather than endure the time, expense, and risk of a trial. It would not be surprising for Live Nation to seek settlement given the failure of their summary judgment effort and the uncertainty of what a jury might do. On October 5, 2023, the plaintiff notified the court that the lawsuit was settled. In addition to Darcy Smith, her twin boys, and Jason's mom and dad, Vicki and Ron Smith, were also to be beneficiaries of the settlement. Because of this, the settlement would require court approval, and Chip Gentry filed a motion to that effect with no objection from lawyers for Live Nation. The court filing included the declaration that Quote, plaintiff is of the opinion it is in her best interest to waive a trial by jury and instead to settle all claims against defendant, unquote, and that, quote, plaintiff has negotiated a settlement with defendant which she believes to be fair and reasonable, unquote. The motion also recited that the other beneficiaries were aware of and approved the settlement and it set forth that Chip Gentry's firm would receive an undisclosed percentage of the settlement payment, since, of course, they had taken the case on a contingency basis rather than an hourly fee basis. On October 19, 2023, Judge John Lassiter of the St. Louis County Circuit Court issued a judgment and order approving the confidential settlement and apportionment of the proceeds. While we cannot know the amount involved, there is little doubt that it was a very substantial sum. Chip Gentry issued a statement shortly thereafter. Quote, the settlement represents a significant step toward justice and closure for the Smith family. While no amount of money can truly compensate for their loss, we believe that this resolution will provide them with the resources they need to build a brighter future and allow true healing to begin." Unquote. And Darcy Smith issued a statement of her own in which she thanked friends, family, and others involved with the lawsuit for their, quote, understanding and compassion, unquote. And she added this, The settlement will help my sons and me move forward and create a new beginning for our family. We thank everyone who stood by us during this difficult journey. Despite the significant circumstantial evidence developed, we may have a pretty good idea but can never be absolutely certain 
of what caused the injuries to which Jason Smith succumbed in May of 2019. Dan Buffa, a St. Louis columnist and blogger, published an online article entitled An Unfathomable Death When You Go to a DMB Concert and Never Come Home. In it, he wrote that, quote, It was said that Jason was gone for seven minutes. That's all it took for a life to change, end, and reroute. That's life, unquote. And as he concluded the piece, Buffa said this, quote, Let's not let Jason die in vain. Use his memory to make your life better today, unquote. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Jason Smith. Thank you for listening. Creeping Suspicion is a production of True Suspense Podcasts. Written and narrated by me, Arthur Perlstein. Music, sound engineering, and post-production by Guy Bainbridge at Walls End Studios. Be sure to visit truesuspense.com for more information about this podcast and other True Suspense Productions. If you like what you hear, please help spread the word. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps new listeners find us. Thank you.